Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out girlfriend bought this game called mind the gap which is actually a pretty cool game to play it's um so it's four pieces and you start in four different generations so you have boomer gen x, x. millennial gen z right so you go through you have to answer the questions news songs tv movies slang all this stuff and then there's some challenges, and one of the challenges was Macarena, and I had to do it. And I just, and I was doing it, and everybody was like, "What the fuck were you doing?" I was like, "The Macarena," and they were like, "There's a specific dance called the Macarena." How do what you were not you? Know how was that? your and Macarena? Was like, yeah, what? Is, how did? I don't even remember how that. Oh I was God. just doing the beat, and I was like, I, "Just da, nothing." Da, 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 da. You know, You're singing like, it in your head and dancing. <laughs> well, no, my my big thing was going, "Hey, like." Uh, yeah, you know, so I was trying to like. <laughs> I mean, uh, we played that with that. We played that the other night with you, and I was amazed how stumped I was on some of the music questions. It was, it was my generation too, but right in the beginning, like early '80s, super early '80s, I was like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" That what was the Manhattan Connection was one of the answers. Oh like, yeah, Who the, the, the jazz trio. Manhattan Connection. <laughs> um. So I got a question for y'all, Paul. Yeah, well, you've listened to the pod, but when Neil and Jonathan, when Jonathan was on here, I used to fuck with them about how they're, uh, a good, you know, four to six years older than me. And I had this this thing this week where my girlfriend and I both kind of emailed the same time. We were like, should we go to this Father John Misty show August 18th at the Hollywood Cemetery? And I was like, I want to, but we already have tickets to My Morning Jacket two days before. Ooh. And I was like, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can do two shows in three days. <laughs> Which is probably the first time I've said that in my life, you know, approaching right. 40, like, I don't know if I can do two in three days. Like, that's just a lot. That's asking a lot of my, <laughs> my going out to Hollywood, staying out right. all night. Now, when slash have you gotten to that point where you were like, can't do two in a row or two in three days? Yeah, I feel it's where you where you are now. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marriage. And I feel, obviously, there's not... A, a moment that I remember. It was on July 10th. <laughs> but I just feel like I've been doing that feeling for seven years now. Whenever I'm 47 years old. So, like, I feel like that's been happening for, you know, about eight years now. We're like, nah, yeah, one a month or whatever, you know. So, so I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm living along the appropriate timeline. But two me. shows yeah. at the same place within three days is a lot. It's kind of like some deja vu shit. So... Speaking of Father John Misty, he's got a new album coming out. First of all, let me ask you, Father John Misty, yes or no, uh, Paul? Uh, no. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no. No, you don't know him? or I, I don't know no enough thanks. of him to, to say okay. yes or no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so no Neil? comment. Definitely, he's great. Yeah, he's like, a, he's like a modern day Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis on Mushrooms. But also... <laughs> right. I feel like the name can put people off. You know, you have a lot of like rock and rollers that have these like stage names. If you could think mm. 
do, do you like that stage name? His name is Josh something, which I don't know why you would change your name if your name was Josh, but it's neither here nor there. I mean, is there some reason behind it? I mean, when I hear Father John Misty, it's almost like St. Nicholas's cousin. It's like Santa's cousin <laughs> from the Redwood Forest in Northern California. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know. Yeah. But well, when you think of like rock and roll stage names, what is the first one that comes to mind? Well, I hate to, you know, get into it too early, but the one we're about to do, Billy Idol, sounds really great. That's like a perfect stage hey, that is That is perfectly fine. Neil, what you got? Is Prince his real name? No. <laughs> I doubt it. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's somewhere in his name, I know, the, the Prince, um, like the name uh, Prince. It's, I think okay. it's part of his, like, name. I don't know if it's something Prince did. Like, I want to say, like, Nelson or something like that. But Nelson Prince. Or Prince Nelson. <laughs> so, Neil, just to let you know, your Prince selection is is not uh, valid because his name is Prince Rogers Nelson. Uh, wow, Paul. Kudos, man, for calling out Rogers the Nelson. Nelson. Whenever someone says the word Nelson to me, it's just Nelson from The Simpsons going, ha, ha. <laughs> that was a bad Nelson impersonation. Ricky Nelson, the Nelsons. <laughs> when I think about stage names, I mean, yes, Billy Idol is an amazing stage name. I think Alice Cooper is a weird one because that is not his name, but it's like two names. You know what's the best one to be is Engelbert Humperdinck. That's, <laughs> That's not his a real fake name. Name? No, they created that name. He created the name Engelbert Humperdinck because, you know, Stephen Smith was just like, nah, it's um, too average. How about, how about Slingabong Slaptyback? There's not enough Engelberts in our lives. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's why. And Humperdinck, all of it, both of it. <laughs> well, I, oh, we're also missing, I mean, Iggy Pop is a great one. Iggy Pop, I mean, Axl Rose. Yeah, Rose um, is good. I mean, Slash. Slash, Slash that's yeah, great. Slash as well. So they're just a band of stage the, names. The Edge is pretty damn elite. cool. I, the Edge is cool without the. If it was just Edge, my name is Edge. The Edge just adds like gravitas <laughs> that doesn't need to be there. I'm not Edge. I'm the Edge. Yeah. It's like when football yeah. players are like, I didn't go to the University of Alabama. I went yeah. to the Ohio State University. It's you know, and you're like, uh huh. Just Facebook. Get rid of the the. It is Masters Week. I don't know if either one of you care about golf, but I do. And we've talked about golf a few times on here. So there's another thing that we've done before called Mary Fuck Kill. We all know that game. Uh, Or Mary Booth Kill. (laughs) I think we we did a more kid-friendly version of Mary Booth Kill. So Mary Booth Kill, golf, tennis, bowling. Oof. Okay, I got it. Okay. Oh, all right. So I'm, I'm definitely marrying tennis. Okay. Okay. Uh, nice. Yeah, because I love tennis. Uh, I'm a man after my girlfriend's bo- heart. I see. A bo- boofing, you know, fucking uh, <laughs> uh, golf, because I like golf. Yeah. I don't like it as okay. much as tennis, but I like golf. And then nice. yeah, I'm just having to kill, I'm have to kill bowling. <laughs> Bowling's well, going down in the blaze of glory. You? Got it. How dare bon you? Bon Jovi, <laughs> great stage name. No, that's his last name. Sorry. Okay, Neil. Well, Paul, um, I think mine is just the exact opposite of yours. Definitely, okay. definitely gonna marry bowling because it's. I'm probably the best. I'm better at bowling than the other two. And wow, that sounds nice to be married to bowling. Um, 
<laughs> and I would kill tennis because I really don't care. I've tried to care. I've like gotten up at like Signing 6 a.m. to watch some match. I'm like, what? Why did I do this? Yeah, and I'll, I'll boof golf. <laughs> You're going to boof golf. You're gonna fuck golf because you actually can, that's not totally opposite. We did boof the same things. So we like yeah, yeah, clearly yeah. we like yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be some overlap. I like that. I, I'm 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 marrying golf. I've been playing since I was five. We all found our spouse. I can, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Separate spouses. That's good. Not Eskimo brothers. Well, maybe you guys are. So Eskimo who do you brothers. want? <laughs> boof brothers. I boof brother. You're boof brothers. Um, I'm going to fuck. I'm going to fuck bowling a bowling ball. I can drink while I'm bowling. Yeah, I'm just going to, well, the holes in the bowling ball, <laughs> not the bowling ball itself. Ah, touche. <laughs> and then I would obviously kill tennis. I mean, I, I played it when I was young, and it's fun, um, yeah. but it's just not something I, I do a lot of. It is yep. what it is. Speaking of, of marrying, though, let's talk about our, let's give, give me one of your favorite song to hear at a wedding, Paul. I thought you were going to say, give me one of your wife's names. Um, <laughs> uh, there's something I want to hear at a welling, wedding. Um, you know what? It's it's probably Michael Jackson, and it's probably probably got to be starting something. Oh, good one, good one. So we're talking. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's so universal. Yeah, Everybody we're talking gets on the dance there, floor you know? afterwards. Yeah, okay, yep. got it, got it. Neil, what you got? Yeah, I was thinking of one the other day uh, that we should have danced to at uh, our wedding, but I cannot think of it. So um, I will go with, um, I'm always a sucker for Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World, wedding or anything else. Just it's, it really tugs at my heartstrings. Great one. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to just go with the one that's like, I've heard at every single wedding I've ever been to is Shout. Not Tears for Fears version. No, yeah, I, yeah, I realize. Who is who is the original of that of the the Isley Brothers? One from Animal House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So shout by the yeah. Isley Brothers. That is that Great is my one. call. That's a good call, by the way. You're not alone. They use that whole wedding montage from Wedding Crashers to shout, and it's yes. one of the funniest parts of the whole movie. And it's great. It's great. Well, it's not like uh, Mustang Sally. You so also good. hear every. But when I hear that at every wedding, I'm like, all right, I'm good with Mustang Sally. I, I right. could never hear that <laughs> well, song yeah, again, and course. I'd be perfectly fine. I mean, there's there's yeah. bars all over the country that say no fucking Mustang Sally for the for the various bands that come. I've in. never been in one of those. Well, there's great. that. I've seen that, and no wagon wheel. <laughs> <laughs> well, no wagon wheel should be mandatory at this point at any dive bar in the country. And on that note, you are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and we're talking about wedding songs because this week we are talking about Billy Idol's 1982 somewhat hit White Wedding from his album Billy Idol. Written by Billy Idol and produced by Keith Forsey and released on Chrysalis. Well, I mean, this is another song that's like one of those like always in the ether songs for me, at least. I mean, it, it was I think it hit its highest peak on the charts the month, uh, February of 83, when I was born. So maybe that's why I'm drawn to this more than his other hits, which which I also love. I mean, I rebel yell, dancing with myself, eyes without a face. Hearing him in the '80s, he was such a unique character, singer. Like the vibe he was giving off from anybody else at that time that I that I remember. 
he's of the 80s, but, like, I don't think the songs necessarily have to stay there, particularly. I mean, there's, like, new wave elements, there's disco, there's punk, there's heavy metal, and, like, he's also kind of a, like, loungy-type singer. So there's just all these elements in, in this package, and you're just like, what is this, and why am I so drawn to it? And pop, and it's poppy. And so... Um, I think the the thing about this song that stands out, the production is next level. The delivery is, you know, that rock and roll cool that you're looking for. You know, the riff is super catchy. The bass and the drums really drive and hit you. You're always aware of them. So basically it has all the elements of songs that I gravitate towards. And and this is one of those songs that just is never going to get old for me. I, I second all of that. It's... Uh... It's a man of his time where everything still holds up, you know, so you can appreciate yeah. it in that context while it still holds all the all the gravitas, all the swagger, all the energy, um, certainly all that energy into the modern day. So everything you talked about, all those elements of music that he hits, all that he's influenced by and that he kind of steals from. I grew up in Los Angeles, you know, big market, huge radio market, of course, K-Rock radio station that like broke a lot of these bands from Britain and the whole new wave thing. Also bands from America as well, like Blondie, yeah. you know, and the Ramones and Talking Heads and B-52s and that kind of stuff. So I was that stuff was already coming in because my brother was five years older than me and he was yeah. heavily into that kind of music. But, you know, the advent of MTV, which was just mm. now, wow, you're however you, you know, gobbled up music at the time, you now were getting it in this... You know, you were getting in this other other level, right? This sort of second dimension, you know, this two-dimensional flesh to get yeah. your favorite band in as far as just, you know, getting the audio from radio stations or however you got your music. But now you were getting in this method, and he this was an artist that just, you know, it, it spoke to you in the visuals. So, and it was giving heavy, you know, of course, getting heavy rotation on MTV, especially because in the early days of MTV, you know, that well was really thin, so they'd have to keep playing these things yeah, over, yeah. And over and over and over again. And, over and again, Billy yeah. was on heavy rotation, and it just became such a big part of my sort of psyche, and um, definitely musical psyche at the time. You know, you're super impressionable at eight. It's interesting, you know, you don't ever really talk about Billy Idol in this context of um, of all those things you mentioned, all those, the electronic, the the pop, the new wave, mm -hmm. the rock, the, the you know... The, the crooning of oh, yeah. the, you know, old Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra styles, you know, that world, it's all encapsulated into this fairly short, well, unless you want to go into the 90s, but fairly short <laughs> repertoire of, uh, of, of, of music that he created, you know. And you don't often say that with an artist like Billy Idol. I think you just sort of say that Billy Idol and the hair and the thing and the whatever, yeah, and yeah. wedding yeah. songs and whatever. But all of those things are really... They're enveloped in all of it, and it's really strange. He's he's kind of an anomaly like that. Actually, he's doing more research on him again. Yeah, absolutely. Someone I love, but I think I really, really appreciate him from a far greater perspective today. And I would add, you know, just to what you're talking about, Paul, the visuals. It's very theatrical. It's everything. It's it's everything in this big pop rock fucking explosion. And it's a real like powerhouse of a song. All of his songs were. When I first turned this on to listen to it, I mean. The thing I wrote down was a fucking werewolf. Like, he's just like, he's just a madman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's kind of like, it's why this podcast is so fun. It's just like, you don't get many chances to just deep dive on songs. I would never pick this, but it was fun to just like really pick apart Billy Idol and try to figure out what makes him tick. And it was, that's what I noticed. It's just, it's, it's everything. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but this was definitely a big start of like pop punk. 
what he's doing here. And like, even looking at watching the video and he was almost like a precursor to Madonna. You know what I mean? Even like the white wedding, mm -hmm. this song specifically, just the blonde hair and his name's Billy Idol. Everything from his name to his outfit, to his songs, to the riffs, to the synth, it was all fucking pop magic. Absolutely. Just going on that point for a second. So it's almost like he was a, a punk Elvis and to an, to an extent, right? And do you think it was, it's like that because he was just better looking than like Joe Strummer and the Ramon guy and it was, uh, Johnny Rotten? Because he's, he's, a, he's well, you know, an attractive human being. Well, yeah. The, especially at that time. And if you watch mm -hmm. the video. Yeah. No one was singing these kind of songs though. Like I think you hit on it. Like the croon hound. He was, he's fucking crooning and, and his delivery, just the way he's just almost talking and just being like almost invented swagger here. Yeah. Well, well, let's 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 freeze on the on the on the nobody was delivering these songs because I think the my, you know my favorite we all love the song, but I think my favorite part is the production and really even more so the combination of him and Keith Forsey like his punk sensibilities which he came from a punk band Generation X is that right and yep. with this guy Keith Forsey who I did a little bit of a deep dive in was a drummer in bands in the 60s like called Spectrum and then he was huge into the disco scene like he was he was working with like really influential disco bands like Lipstick and then he worked with Giorgio Marauder yeah. Morador yeah. I don't know how to say that guy's name Mar Marauder and Marauder. Yeah, yeah they were yeah yeah, he played. He he was he was a, he was a drummer. He played percussion on Donna all of Donna Summer's big disco hits. You know, he did Billy Idol's first couple albums after he left Generation X, and like, you you can really hear his just grasp of taking synths and disco and kind of new wave and putting it into that punk feel. I don't know if I if there's any other band or artist at that time that was doing that this well. <clears throat> I couldn't think of anything that sounded like this with all just, even the, the tone of the guitars, you could tell with the production they were having a, a great time, just getting creative, like throwing all kinds of stuff in, you know, even when you get into part two. But uh, yeah, I mean, and they're even kind of hamming it up, but in a real badass way. It's just, it's, it's another kitchen sink song, throw it all in. I mean, oh. they filter out like anything, you know, I'm sure they threw in a lot of stuff that didn't make the final cut, you know, because you can tell they're having fun here. So, so this producer, just another side note, he also went on to do Flashdance, What a Feeling, and uh, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. So this, guy, this producer kind of defined a specific right. part of... 80s sound. Billy Idol and the guitar player... Uh, Steve Stevens. Steve Stevens, who came up with the riff because they had been longtime collaborators. So at the beginning of the song, you have that big, like... I don't even know... What, that's a synthesizer, right? The, whoa, 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 it's a guitar. At the very beginning? I think so. At the yeah. beginning, yeah. I think It's so. almost like ripping down... Really? Okay. It's almost surf-like. <laughs> there you but go. But you can almost see... <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I never thought it was anything else, but yeah, you guys. So I, I was thinking that was maybe more forcey, and then Idol and Stevens liked all their songs to to start off with a catchy guitar riff 
phrase, whatever. Super smart. And you really can't. I mean, and the guitar riff is, is the standout of the song, I think. That's what leaves you, like, in terms of catchiness. Like, when you finish the song is the... Yeah, Steve Stevens is just an incredible guitarist, you know. And he was the, like... Uh, the go-to guy when Eddie wasn't available to do, you know, like also studio work too. So, cause he did like the Top Gun theme and Michael Jackson stuff in, on the bad really? album. And like, he, he was this, you know, like kind of like these, the go-to like, Oh, Eddie's not available. Call Steve Stevens, you know? And, uh, but it was really his work with Billy Idol that, that put him on the map. He was this glam rock guitarist that joined up with Billy and he, he, it was weird. He was sort of like this wanted guy in New York that everybody wanted to like sort of, a friend and get in their band or whatever you know and the, the pair and the look and everything but um he was like i don't want the hype you guys talked about this here we can get into it again but the high-pitched registers of what was going on in a lot of those early 80s yeah. and stuff and like they wanted like and he had these lower vocal registers again like kind of that crooning thing and, and of course all the swagger i mean we will get into all that that's obvious but yeah and so he really appreciated that and thought there was something really special about billy and uh you know and then coming out of the gen x coming out of that whole punk rock scene he was knee deep yeah. in it you know he was he was going to be a member of Susie and the Banshees I mean he was so involved in that whole thing with the Sex Pistols he was one of the little Bromley Syndicate members which just follow the Sex Pistols around all the time you know so he was I mean it, it, know, it's a it, very new wave riff I, I, right I mean it's not a punk riff kind of it sounds to me more like almost western or like rockabilly like it almost sounds like that spaghetti mm. western, like bow, no, 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 no. That's a good observation. You can see someone yeah, like just yeah, riding a horse great. and shit, and just yep. the guitar in general. I mean, there's there's that line, but I I would argue that the rhythm part behind is probably more fun to play. Just hitting all those, bam, 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 you know, like real chunky rhythm going on there. That's also and that's kind of the punk rock and roll facet, right? Yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, certainly. But but it's also it's also very creative and just just the way they were using that. I don't think you had heard it much before this and this polished, you know. Yeah, not that polished. Yeah, it, but that's another thing that stands out about the production is like instrumentally, it's pretty basic. There's basically bass, drums, guitar, synth, right, and and some keys. Well, yeah, pretty kind of typical. Not a whole lot of bells and whistles. Hmm. Drums and bass are really driving it home. Everything's moving. There's a lot of power in this song, but the song is also very subdued. I don't know if that's just his delivery. I don't or, know. But it, it really works to great effect because he's not, he's basically speak singing. Yeah, but he, he is. he uses the snarl when he needs to to great effect. But for the majority of the song, it's a very subdued delivery. It's all about what's going on behind him. Yeah, but I, I don't I don't know. I think there's a lot going on. Even the breakdown in the bridge, there's a lot of creative stuff going on. And even with like the ghostly kind of background vocals, it, it does have a lot of dynamics to it. But I wouldn't call it subdued. There's a lot there's a lot going on here. There's a lot with the synth stuff too. Hey little sister, who is it you're There is a pensive quality, and that may be more of the lyric of more well, of him. It's not all going on at once. Like, Everything's kind of coming in at yes. that time, you know. There's a lot of push pull there, where there is some there is some quiet in the in the storm, but it doesn't even feel like a storm. It just feels like a an engine that's driving forward. And every now and then, it's not it, like it revs up every now and then, but for the most part, it's just kind of smoothly driving down the road, if that makes any sense. 
No, it does. Did Did you guys listen to part two, which is this longer version, which actually was released on the Vital Idol, Vital Idol album, which came out a few years later, which actually kind of relaunched this song back into the you know, popular culture yes. or whatever, back into the mainstream. I had never heard it before this week. Right. It, it, not that I would expect you to. It, it was a version I grew up with because I had that album. It was basically like a greatest hits kind of album that came out after Rebel Yell. And you, in that version... Yeah, they're really getting crazy there. <laughs> you can really... But you can hear... Yes, and they are. But all of those sort of foundational elements are all in that part too that like and then that and then that just all that synth I listened to it I hadn't heard it before this week but it it is almost like um, Billy Idol and his jam band you know what I mean like they're they're really Mm. they're really getting after it tonight (laughs) boys Right, but they're not heightening things that aren't there. That's what yeah, I no, love it's, about it, right? It's not like they created things that just like, let's just create things out of thin air. They just heighten the stuff that's in the original text, but, mm-hmm. you know? That's more forcey being like, let's just, this vibe is so good. Let's just let's, expand it yeah, and see what we dial can get. Yeah, and it's Like the, you said, Neil, sure. let's just jam it out, but in a new wave, synthy yeah. jam. Well, that's the way to do it, too. Jerry Garcia noodle guitar. And oh, how dare you. But um, no, that <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad it's thing. It's the way to do it too. Is just to have your pop song and then do part two where you We're can get here. creative and you know you you can have the you can have your cake and eat it too with that your wedding cake. But Let's move to the wedding cake portion of it and discuss the lyrics for a minute. What the lyrics to me are kind of nonsensical. I mean, I, I do, enjoy, but they're rock and roll lyrics in the coolest way. To where like everything sounds great, every line is is very cool sounding, and that may be more delivery. But you know, the the lyric itself is kind of to me. Irrelevant. No way. No way. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> okay. Especially when you come off of last week's true nonsense. I, I was like, um, no. I don't see yeah. that at all. Irrelevant. <laughs> it's 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 so simple but but just so brilliant. Just I mean, little sister starts almost every line and it's the repetition is so cool. No, that's what I'm saying. It all sounds great. Yeah, but it it's super cool, important. But it, super like as a, important. As a whole, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, well, I was I was gonna ask you guys: Does he get her back? Did she marry the other guy? Did she marry him? Like, did this work? <laughs> uh, in real life, or what? Are no, we no, to I'm just saying in in your like your creative vision of what happened after the song. Does she running? No, does she run back don't. to his arms? No, she's pregnant. No, absolutely. Shotgun. Not. <laughs> yeah. Hey, little sister, shotgun. She she's having second thoughts though. <laughs> The rock tropes of nonsense, and then that bridge is always like, oh, I just needed a rhyming word, and it takes you, you know, like every, all our songs have a little bit of that. But I would say if you listen to the song for the for one, you know, one time only, you would definitely have some idea of what we're talking about. You know, there's oh, shotgun yeah. wedding, oh, okay, pregnant, little sisters in trouble, okay, wait, you know, and obviously you hear it a little bit deeper and maybe realize it's not his actual sister, you know, but um, yeah, obviously the video helps, you know, uh, well, you know. Kind of clarify a little bit. Well, but I and or or also not just clarify, but also point you down a specific road that maybe they'd like you to to see. Yes. You know. Yeah. Mean? 
That and I would, I would, I would push back a little bit, personal. Neil, on that. This song isn't about her necessarily, as it's about him and his perception of her. Yeah. And the question maybe should be, did he get over <laughs> her getting married to somebody else and having someone else's baby? <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's a good question. The one thing, just about the lyrics that I love, I read that he starts with the title and then he fills it in, which is it's the it's a good way to go. Which, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that. Are, is there any other color wedding? Red wedding. Yeah. Game of Thrones fans, shout out. Black um, black goth <laughs> weddings. Black goth weddings. Yes. <laughs> Pick it up. Take me back home. Yeah. Moving on to uh, the melody of this song, which I also think is kind of what it needs to be it's it's four chords it's consistent and it's not bad it's not exceptional but it does what it's almost like we just need the melody to be fine for the production and the delivery and the cool things that we're saying we just need the melody to be fine right yeah and the melody is melody is great um but it's more about his snarling growling screaming and just just his come on his fucking shotgun Man. Oh, and mm-hmm. his yeah is more like a hey. And one of my favorite parts is That's where he screams. Right he there. does the woo. It's a wide wedding. Well, oh, like actually, no. Take me back home. Yeah, yeah. that's my favorite part. Pick okay. it up. Pick it up. That's take my, me back that. home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take me back home. Yeah. But my favorite part is right after that. Like, Come on, it's a... yeah. Because he sounds like a fucking engine. Come on, come on, <laughs> it's a nice day for a did he, wide wedding. Did he start Shimona? <laughs> Did Michael get it from Billy? <laughs> I mean, maybe. It's the same. It's, a, it's the same. It's the same time period. To me, Billy Idol is just a guy who can't wait for music breaks, song, instrument. No, no, we gotta play this bar out. No, I no, I just gotta be sw- singing and yelling and doing the lifting and grunting and snarling all the time. Yeah. And so I feel like it's the Hell real yeah. persona you're getting when you get those little moments. You know, it's like if you've ever heard those. Uh, isolated tracks of david lee roth you know and it's you know, and it's just <laughs> him and, and, you know and it's like oh this is this is david lee roth that's just one guy that does that and you hear that and it's unmistakable who it is billy has that same quality i think it's unmistakable with all the snarling yeah. and the growls and the little beats between those little you know moments between the uh nice. the, the verses it's awesome. But one more thing I wanted to mention is just the bass line is so cool. Like when the song starts, it almost sounds oh, like yeah. the bass line is like strutting around. You know what I mean? It's like it's not walking. It's strutting. Yeah, you want you want to like move those shoulders. <laughs> yeah. You're like almost comes Mick bass. Jagger chicken walking, but in a punk way. <laughs> and I love the line. It's a nice day to start again like he's almost holding mm-hmm. out a like tray of hors d'oeuvres like <laughs> start again but then Taking later in the song he's like it's a nice day to start again <laughs> like i'm doing it i'm conquering the world <laughs> so he, the way he changes inflections in those two moments is um, uh is pretty well is pretty speaking great. of that one of um one of the our pod listeners, Alex, sent me a meme today. He said it was, it was a nice day for a light sweater. Nice day for a cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this song only reached 36 on the top 100, which is crazy to me. 
this this song has been used in so many pop culture things since then. It's just crazy. It was only thirty six because it's such a recognizable song. Yeah, it's also hard. You couldn't quantify those early MTV days, though. You know, and that's the thing. It's like that. That was such a staple on that mtv playlist from that mm-hmm. early you know 82 because again they just had to go to the well a million times yeah if you could make a video they'll put it on <laughs> yeah put it on exactly especially the thing was running 24 hours a day it was unheard of yeah. you know so i um, like this video i i think it's other yeah. than like the bride on the operating table like the back and forth where she's like not getting the mm-hmm. chest electrical things the but like just, she's just going up and down like <laughs> Like she's yeah. being in an exorcism, and the the in, interposed Billy Idol face on the stained glass before the motorcycle breaks through. I that those are super like cheesy, but the rest of the video, and I think that I can't remember the director's name, but he said he's like the reason Billy Idol became famous because like I knew like this guy was better looking and like could deliver and move better than anybody since Elvis. He's like once it went on MTV. That's what 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 took off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Mallet, David something Mallet. Mallet. Um, David Mallet. Yeah, yeah, David Mallet. And he did a ton of videos. That guy was like the MTV video guy you went to for you know Madonna, David Bowie, Queen. You know, he did. Uh, I mean, that off often panned uh, um, Mick Jagger and uh, uh, David dancing Bowie, in the streets. Uh, Dancing on the streets. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, but he was huge. I mean, he was getting all the biggest names, you know. And and I think he just killed it with this video, just because you know he's taking the scar off and he reveals himself and the flip up, like you said, the motorcycle lens. But he, you know, just all that stuff. It seemed cheesy. It seems cheesy to you now. It was the coolest thing for an eight-year-old. Yeah, just like uh, you were like, I want that tiny red leather vest. Yeah, my brother's 13, 14 years old. Is like this is this is all he wanted it to be, and you know, and do and see and hear and everything. It was well, the, perfect. The video is so crazy. There's so much going on, and it's funny. The thing I took away from it, I was watching. I was like, look at that guitar, man. That's fucking sick. Um, he's playing this like hollow body natural guitar that looks like something old, some old blues guy would play. But when you have blonde yeah. hair, a red vest, and that fucking face, it it's automatically badass. Yeah. And when yeah. you say shotgun, you blow smoke out of your mouth. Uh, so, right, I know, right? Everything. Yeah, yeah, right. Put barbed wires on the ring so it cuts your finger. I want it to really bleed. Okay. But I think the one thing we've learned here is that Billy Idol knew who to, like, surround himself with. Because we're talking about Forsey, we're talking about Mallet, and we're talking about Stevens. We're talking about surrounding himself with people who know what the fuck they're doing. Videos, production. Mm-hmm. guitar playing to enhance his talent as a solo artist. And you know what that tells me? It's that Billy Idol knows how to vibe. So let's get to the vibe time <laughs> portion of this pod. <laughs> Paul, we're going to give you a second chance at uh, a vibrator noise. Not a motorboating noise, <laughs> but a vibrating noise in three, two, one. You hear that? That's the sound of nothing. Because a good vibrator makes no noise. Uh, Paul Simon here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the sounds of silence. The <laughs> Paul, uh, actually, it's my song, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say when I want to hear the song first. Fuck y'all. Yeah, how do you uh, not no. love it as much as Neil and I? And it's your song. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, I ideally, 
I want to hear this song. Like, if, it, if there's an ideal scenario, I'm like walking through a park, somebody proposes to someone, I stop, and I'm like, holy shit. She said yes, and then somebody uh, like walks by on a jam box with White Wedding just starting. That's quite the scenario. I like it. And I'm just like, that is the coolest thing I will see this year. That that's that's when I want to hear this song. Uh, Paul, you're the guest. When do you want to hear it? Oh, thank you. Uh, um, I mean, I love this song. I want to hear it all the time. But I really want to hear it around Halloween. I, I you know, I'm Ooh. a fan of this age. I'm a fan of goth. I'm a fan of all those things too. And and it's just when you couple it to the video as well, uh, I just it feels yeah. like a, it feels like a good werewolf Halloween baby. Song. It's I, just I, dig it. I dig the it. The werewolf that Neil brought up at the beginning of the podcast. I just feel I want to hear it around that that holiday. I want to hear it that night. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And then hopefully at a full moon and the, we get Neil's. Uh, yeah. Wish. And uh, so, so are we going punk Elvis or werewolf Elvis? Which one? Uh, can it be all three? Punk, punk, punk. Yeah, can we <laughs> okay, get all those? Yeah, okay, okay. Punk, werewolf, Elvis. All right, all right. Neil, when do you want to hear this? Um, well, I'll piggyback off what you were saying, Paul. I mean, I'm going to actually keep this chambered. Like, if you're ever at a party, maybe it's a Halloween party, and the pressure's on for you, you got next on the song, you're like, shit, what am I going to play? This would be a great one. <laughs> My favorite is uh, Dancing With Myself, but that's a little too predictable. But if you throw on White Wedding, people are going to be like, ooh, fucking good one. Yeah. It's darker. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You know what else is darker? My mood when I go under the influence. So why don't we slide under the influence yeah. and talk about the influences of this song, Influenced by, Influence Moving Forward. Neil, let's go with you on this. Well, first thing I have is uh, The Lost Boys. <laughs> this song Ooh. basically... I like Just it. birthed the Lost Boys. I mean, Kiefer is basically playing Billy Idol in the movie <laughs> with the blonde, spiky hair. To the crooner thing, I think it has a lot of Chris Isaac. You know what I mean? Just uh, just his delivery, the the melody of the song. Okay. Like, if, I almost think the way you're gonna play it is Chris well, Isaac. Like, Chris Isaac has a lot of <laughs> Billy Idol, right? Yeah, I mean, because he's, he's before Chris Isaac. Yeah. And then the last thing is, um, just I think also. <laughs> What's Something that this influence would be like Glenn Danzig and just like the way Glenn uh, Danzig sings is a lot like Idol, you know. Oh, nice. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some some love to our man Screaming Jay Hawkins and and you know to Elvis through Jim like a lot of Jim Morrison, especially in this song when he decides to croon is very Jim. A, a less soulful Van Morrison too. Um, I would even say moving forward, you go with like, and there's a lot of Julian Casablancas, like the tenor mm -hmm. of his voice is very similar. Um, and even more recent, like a band like Low Cut Connie. And uh, a, here's, a, here's a song that you should listen to if you like this song. It's, it's, it's called Touch the Leather by the Fat White Family. <laughs> yeah, listen to it. Watch and the video. It's very like, when I listen to this song, I'm like, holy shit, this is, they, they just took this song and made it, a fucking more ridiculous version. Uh, so that's 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 what I find, Paul. Uh, yeah, I mean Jim Morrison for yeah. sure, and I know he's a big fan. You definitely hear that for sure, all over the place. Yeah, so for sure I have that as well. Um, you know, I I because I've seen him in interviews talk about this that he liked that synth sound, but he wanted to take that punk energy and that flair and that swagger and then conflate it with the that sort of newer synth sound that was going on, you know, and, and yeah. so I hear a lot of Gary Newman. I hear a lot of Ultravox, Visage, some early mm. synth bands, a lot of Human League. 
I hear a lot of Joy Division. I know he's a big fan. He's talked about how Joy Division was really mm-hmm. instrumental yeah, for yeah. him, and the that's the kind even. of that's the direction. Yeah. That's the direction he wanted to go too, you know. Like, I, I was Ian Curtis's death was a big part, you know, for him and everything. So, so yeah, I, I definitely that's I, I can see that and hear it, um, which is which is really great. The other direction, I'm, I'm a little at a loss there. I, all you guys mentioned some all good right. stuff too, but it's hard to find the direct ones. You know, sometimes when you can't find direction, you just need to go in your bedroom, mm-hmm. hop in the bed, slide under the covers. And talk about the covers of this song that we listened to. Uh, I'm going to start. Uh, well, actually, Paul, you yeah. start this off. Did you listen to any covers? Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, because we talked about this guitar stuff. It really, this cover, and I know you're going to mention it too, is this Queens of the Stone Age cover is <laughs> just, the guitar, though, it, it definitely makes you appreciate Steve Stevens' guitar work yes. when you hear yes. it from Josh Absolutely. Homme and all the guys. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to hear there's a version of it that they, you know, so this is recorded version that we're talking about. It's great. Uh, but they did a version in a, like just some radio look like one Oh five yep. something radio, whatever I found. And it's them live doing it. It almost feels like this might be even the first time they, even yeah. And it was it. acoustic. And then maybe this, and it was acoustic huh. and you could say like, Oh, we should lay this down later. You just the feel Josh Homme was clearly involved. Like he was clearly leading the thing and everybody else was just clear. I mean, you guys, Neil, I'm sure you caught onto the, all the guys mm-hmm, were catching up mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. You know, um, that was really well, cool. Cause that's a great influence as well. well yeah. You know what? You're absolutely sure. right. Uh, yeah, that's Queens of Stone Age for sure is the influence. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the most direct one. But that was cool. I liked hearing both of those two versions. I felt like they were really working yeah. it out. Yeah, I mean, there was after I heard that one, I didn't really want to hear anymore. Like, the recorded one is so good. Right? And it also, I mean, they have that song, Little Sister. So like, it's, it's it made so much sense. Yeah. And yep. it, it just... I, and and they also changed it up. It wasn't a one for one. They, it was definitely um, Queens totally. of the Stone Age style. Yeah. And the only other one I heard was, um, and it was off of that uh, series, uh, The End of the Fucking World. They did this mm. song by yeah, yeah, Graham yeah. Coxon. Oh yeah. And it was uh, it's a really cool yeah, version. Okay. Another very creative uh, interpretation. Wait, that Graham nice. <sighs> Oh, I don't know how I missed. that. Well, I found I it on YouTube. I found I it on. Him. It wasn't on Spotify. I don't think. Huh. Oh, sure. So it's just part of the soundtrack. That's a great show, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll call out two more. Uh, I listened to the VH1 Unplugged version, which doesn't work that well. The, the acoustic's too busy. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't work in that in that setting, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think. And then Herman's Hermits uh, did a version. I never got around Which to is one. like a very... It's like an um, alternate reality version of this song basically and I, I did read where he somebody played it for him on air during an interview and he's like that's terrifying <laughs> Mrs. Brown you've got a lovely sister <laughs> I don't, I don't lovely, even know how those guys could do that that seems like the oddest speaking about sisters why don't we talk about how the shoe fits because you know sisters love them hate them uh, but they're gonna always be with us I'll answer this first since uh, it's my song. Uh, the shoe fits like a comfy pair of white suede dress shoes that in the South we wear mm. when we wear seersucker suits. Nice. What do you got? So comfortable and um, comfortable and uh, edgy, basically. Uh, yeah, this uh, this shoe fits. If you could have a like a high top Doc Martin. <laughs> all black 
with some little like a fleur de lis sort of style cut Ooh, into the like area that. around the yeah. toe. But a good sole, probably you know, good four four inch, <laughs> you know, um, like uh, and then but like it definitely has to be uh, like an upper boot where you can there's a, there's a leather strap at the top, yeah. you know, because four four uh, inches ain't gonna do it. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It needs to be thicker. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you guys are both right. I mean, I had it could go either way. I mean, it, it's either a brand new pair of white sneakers, like just spotless white, or combat boots with like shit drawn on them, like cool shit, like anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> so none of us mentioned Puff Daddy's uh, all white party. Oh no, man, big miss, big miss, big miss. Uh. <laughs> I need to spend more time on the shoe portion. Yeah, yeah, you need to you need to spend more time on your shoe selection, Paul. Um, and, and on that note, our cover of Billy Idol's "White Wedding." Long. I let you go for so long. It's a nice 
chance me to start again Come on, it's a nice day for a white wedding It's a nice day to start again The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond and Neil Marsh. Thanks for listening to Pod Game Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Game Rock. Next week is our uh, special guest, Paul Beauvais' week to pick a song. What do you got, buddy? We have The Jams, That's Entertainment. Paul Weller Classic. Can't wait! (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.